Hi, Pastor Steve Blummer. From our house to yours, I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. Over the last several weeks at Hope, we've been seeing how Christmas cannot be canceled. We've seen how God's gift of hope, peace, joy, and love cannot be canceled. Jesus Christ, God with us, Emmanuel in the flesh, came from heaven to earth to bring us hope, peace, joy, and love, and those things cannot be taken away. You know, those things are not fading or they did not disappear as Jesus ascended into heaven after his resurrection. We're not here on earth just waiting for him to return so that we can have a renewed hope, peace, joy, and love. Now, certainly when he does return, we who are his followers will get to experience all of those things in the most purest and fullest form. But the Apostle Peter even is so excited about this gift, this assurance, this confidence of God in the midst of no matter the situation that he writes in his letters. In 1 Peter chapter 1, he says, Praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has given us a new birth. I like that, a new birth. Not something refurbished or something fixed, something brand new from the original manufacturer. He's given us this new birth into a living hope. That means it's alive and active for you and I right now through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance. So not only do you have something right now, but God has something for you in the future, an inheritance that is imperishable, uncorrupted, and unfading, kept in heaven. <laughs> that means it can't be taken away. It can't be misplaced. It can't be forgotten about. It's kept in heaven, Peter says, for you, for you. And not only do you have something now and in the future, but Peter says that you are being protected by God's power through faith for a salvation that's ready to be revealed in the last time. In his second letter, in 2 Peter chapter 1, he said God's divine power has given us everything that we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. There's nothing missing in your life through God. Think about that. There's nothing missing in your life through God. And because those things are consistently true and within our reach, and because they're as strong now as they were when he gave them to us, then those are things that cannot be canceled. Those are things that you and I can embrace. And because we can embrace those things, I think that there are some things that you and I can and should cancel from our Christmas, cancel from our lives, such as fear or worry or bitterness, jealousy, anxiousness, just to name a few, that those things can and should be canceled from our lives. Whether we see this with Joseph or Mary or the shepherds, God reassured them very quickly that he had a plan and that it was a good plan. The fear and the worry and the anxiousness and the anger that Joseph probably felt as he discovered that his engaged wife was pregnant and it was not his doing. The fear and the worry and the anxiousness that Mary must have felt when she discovered that she was going to have her first child, but not according to her plan. And then having to tell people that there was this angel and he came to bring 
good news of a savior. It's a bizarre story to have to retell. But because God gave them hope and peace and joy and love through the knowledge of his plan, they were able to minimize their fear, their worry, their bitterness. I'm sure it didn't go away, but it was minimized and replaced with rejoicing. I think about the life of Jesus that we never see Jesus afraid. Even on one occasion, he's in a boat in a storm. He's asleep and his disciples are frightened. They wake Jesus up and say, do you not even care that we're about ready to die? And I think that's a statement that we can resonate and relate with in these days, wondering where is God? Does he not see that we are dying? Does he not even care? Is he asleep? What's going on? Well, Jesus wasn't afraid and he was resting even though there was a horrible storm going on because he knew of God's power and God's plan and that this storm was not beyond God's power and God's plan. We never see Jesus worry even when he was about ready to be captured and beaten and crucified. He rested in the sovereign plan and power of God. Now, certainly he was filled with sadness and this deep mental distress from the impeding grief that was about ready to happen, which shows us that it's okay to be sad about sad things. It's natural to feel deep distress from grief that's around us. It's natural. And it's things that we should grieve, our losses around us. But there is a way in which we can grieve and never lose hope rather than grieving and having this paralyzing fear or worry or hopelessness. And certainly not something that will come naturally easy for us, but it does take leaning upon God's promises and his power. We also see that Jesus never became bitter. People really always didn't like Jesus. They would argue with him, question him, debate him. People would call him names. They wouldn't believe much of what he had to say. And sometimes they were even violent with Jesus. And we've seen a lot of this happening this year. People uh, responding to evil with evil. One relationship ending because of a difference of opinion or perspectives. Yet Jesus never lashed out and became bitter to those around him. He didn't even see that it had a purpose in his life. And so he needed to cancel them from his life. And those are things that you and I need to cancel from our Christmas and from our life. If we really understand the hope, the peace, the joy, the love that God has for us, that he has given us, then we can and we should remove certain things from our life. That's why we do see Jesus telling others and he tells us to not be afraid. That's why we do see Jesus telling others and he tells us to not worry. That's why we see Jesus telling others and he tells us to forgive. That's why we see Jesus telling others and he tells us to trust in God, even when it looks like the world is crumbling around us. And see, Jesus didn't just tell us how to do that. He showed us with his life. Jesus was able to have such a confidence and assurance of this true hope, this true peace, this true joy, this true love, because he knew God. He knew God's truths. He relied on God's goodness. He knew that God cared for him, that God cared for this world, and that God had a plan. And that's what Joseph and Mary and the shepherds and even the wise men leaned on as well. 
They were able to overlook and cancel certain fears and worries and anger and jealousy and fill it with rejoicing and an awe of God as reflected on God. So just in a few moments, you're going to hear from our lead pastor, Pastor Neil, as he's going to go further with these thoughts and give you an opportunity to respond to what God is saying to you today. And so for just a few moments, if at least only for a few moments, I'm asking you if you would push aside any fear or worry or bitterness or anxiousness or jealousy that may be in your heart and push that aside so that you could be filled with God's hope, his peace, his joy, and his love that he has for you right now. God bless. You know, I was thinking the other day that I have been preaching Christmas sermon series since 1987. So that's, that's 34 years now that I've been preaching messages related to Christmas. And usually those are five-week series, right, with Advent and then Christmas Eve. And so that adds up to about 150 sermons just about the birth of Jesus. You know, that's three years' worth of preaching. And when you think about it, you know, we just really have information about the birth of Jesus in the New Testament from just a few chapters at the beginning of Matthew and the beginning of, of the Gospel of Luke. But I've never, ever, in all those sermons, focused on the question that I want to ask us tonight. And that is, where is everybody? Where is everybody in the Christmas story? Now, I'm not talking about the fact that I'm preaching to an empty sanctuary tonight and you are all worshiping at home as a part of this Christmas Eve celebration. Because I know where you're at, you know, and and I'll just say what we're all thinking. Stupid coronavirus, right? Because we, we just can't do our celebration the way we like to. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is, where is everybody who's in the Christmas story? Where, where is everybody else besides the people that we see in the Christmas story? You know, see, when we, we preach messages on, about Christmas, what we, what we really look at are figures like Joseph and how hard it was for him to embrace, you know, Mary and having a child that really wasn't his child and Mary and her fear about being in that, you know, a, a, an unwed mother. And we think about the shepherds and the angels and the wise men and we focus on all the people who were there. Sometimes we even invent some people to put into the story. Like I did a monologue one time about the innkeeper's view about what was going on kind of idea. But we hardly really ever ask ourselves the question, where is everybody else, right? And we might want to say, well, you know, Maybe nobody else was supposed to be there. Maybe else never even really knew what was going on, and therefore they, they weren't there. And, and I would say, I, I don't think so. And, and, and I think there was a lot of other people who had an opportunity to be a part of the Christmas story, but they chose not to. Let me, let me read a passage of Scripture for us related to the Christmas story in Matthew chapter 2. We've already read... Um, Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, and we've read together some verses out of Luke's gospel, the second chapter. But let me bring in the story of the wise men. And let me read Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12 for us. It said, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? See, for we saw his star... And it's rising, and have come to worship 
him. When King Herod heard these things, he was deeply disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. Note that word all, right? So he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people and asked them where the Christ would be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written by the prophets. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. Because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned secretly the wise men and asked them the exact time that the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. And when you found him, report back to me so that I too can go and worship him. And after hearing the king, they went on their way. And there it was, the star, the star that they had seen at its rising. And it led them until it came and stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. They celebrated him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. So in this passage of Scripture, right, we see this, there's this, a group of Eastern scholars, probably from the area of modern-day Iraq or Iran, and they are, and we know them as wise men or magi, and they know the prophecies, the predictions about the arrival of a, an anointed king in Israel, the Messiah. And they see the star. And they know it's associated with it. And they know that the child has been born. The king has arrived. And so off they go. And they travel almost 500 miles, give or take a little bit. It'd be like you and I traveling from Boston to like Washington, D.C. or down to Roanoke, Virginia. I mean, it's a long hike that they undertake. And they come. But when they arrive in Jerusalem, what we see is that they know that the child had been born. That they knew that the Messiah, the chosen one, had been born. But they didn't know where. So they did something that men hardly ever do. (laughs) Right? They asked for directions. And this really is where my question comes, where is everybody else? I mean, all of Jerusalem, the text tells us, knows that these wise men have arrived, and they're saying that the Messiah has arrived, and and, and that kind of thing. And, And the religious experts, they know exactly where he was supposed to be born. Now, they don't know that he has been born, but they know where he's supposed to be born. And now they've got these guys who've come in, and yet when we look at the event of when the Magi, the wise men, arrive at the feet of the baby Jesus. Where's everybody else? Where are the religious experts? Right? I mean, they knew where he was going to be born. Now they had heard rumors that he had been born. But they didn't go. Think about the people of Jerusalem. I mean, the other guys, the wise men, they travel five to 700 miles. And from Jerusalem to Bethlehem was about 10 miles. And they couldn't even make the trip. You know, but it's not just the religious experts. You know, think about the story of the, of the shepherds that we read just a little while ago. Right? They're out in their fields. They're doing their job. They're watching their flocks at night. 
And they're, and they're confronted by this angel who announces to them that he has good news of a great joy that a Savior has been born, who is Christ the Lord. And the scripture tells us that they, they just went off and, and they had to go find out what was going on and they were glorifying and praising God as they went. In other words, they were making a racket. And they're walking through the streets of Bethlehem. Now, Bethlehem is a small town. They had narrow streets. The houses were small. They were close together. They're not sound insulated. Like, it's not like a good hotel room at the airport, right? And, and so these guys are walking through the city in the middle of the night, clamoring, making all this noise, making a racket, talking about angels and, and mangers and babies and the Messiah and all these kinds of things. And everybody in their houses is hearing this, and yet they're just too tired from their daily lives. It's too much of a disruption to get up and lose sleep in the middle of the night and all those kinds of things. And the only ones who make it to the manger are the shepherds. And so you really ask the question, where is everybody else, right? Where are all the people from Jerusalem who heard the rumors and knew where he was going to be? Where are the religious experts, right? Where are they? How come they're not there worshiping the baby Jesus? How about all the other people who lived in Bethlehem? who heard all the racket, right, of the, of, the, of the shepherds. Why aren't they there worshiping? Where is everybody, right? And, and, I, and I think this is a really great question for us to ask ourselves this Christmas. Where are we? Are we just hearing about Christmas? Let me use the idea of just observing Christmas. Or are we really celebrating Christmas? Are we really... Ob- celebrating Christmas, or are we just settling to observe Christmas as we've heard about it from somebody else? Are we like the religious leaders? We've become so familiar with a lot about the facts of who Jesus is. We know, you know, the virgin birth and the manger in Bethlehem. We know about the walking on the water. We know about the feeding of the 5,000. We know about the cross. We know about the resurrection. We hear these things, but, but like the religious leaders, we know all these facts, and things didn't really seem to change all that much before. We have really low expectations, and we're not ready to put any effort into it. And with that, we live our lives as though there really is no God, and like Jesus never really came. Where are you this Christmas? Are you too busy with life like the people in Bethlehem? Where, you know what, I, I just got to get through tomorrow, and, 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 and I got to get my rest tonight and my to-do list. And so, you know what, maybe I'll think, maybe I'll go check out Jesus at a later time. Where are you this Christmas? Where is everybody? And my invitation to you this year as we celebrate Christmas, is not just to observe Christmas, not just to know about the facts of the Christmas story, but it's my privilege to invite you to celebrate the Savior who has been born. Now, if you're asking, well, how do I do that? How do I celebrate the Savior? I I think there's some great clues from our main characters in our text tonight. As we think about the Magi who saw the star, as we thought of, think about the shepherds who heard what the angels had to say, and we look at what they did, we, we see the exact pattern that we need to follow if we're going to really celebrate Christmas. And that's this. We just need to listen. We need to see what God is doing, and we need to respond to it. The, the Magi saw the star and came. The shepherds heard what the angels said. 
And they came. They listened and they responded. If you'll listen this year to Christmas, this is what you'll hear. Everybody needs a Savior. Every single one of us, myself included, needs a Savior. And that Jesus is that Savior. The world needs a Savior. We need a Savior. You need a Savior. I need a Savior. And what we're going to hear is that Jesus is that Savior. And we need to respond. Just like the Magi got up and and traveled, just like the wise men went to the manger, you and I need to respond. And what the New Testament tells us is we respond by believing. We believe that Jesus is the Savior. And we believe that he can be our Savior and we accept him into our lives as our Savior and our Lord. And that's really, really it is my privilege tonight. It is my honor as a part of this Christmas to invite you to listen and to respond to know that you need a Savior, that God's provided that Savior, and to make him your Savior by placing your faith in him. Don't just observe Christmas. Celebrate it. Celebrate it by listening and responding. Hey, let's pray together, and then we'll move to our final songs. As we get to sing Joy to the World and Silent Night, we're going to do our candle lighting, so get your candles ready. But let me pray for us for just a moment before we go to our final two songs. God, thank you that we have something to celebrate. God, thank you that we have the possibility of personally celebrating Christmas. Not just observing it, but celebrating. Father, allow us to see that we need a Savior. To know that Jesus is that Savior. And believe that he is our Savior by putting our faith in him. For this we pray in the name of the one who came in that manger so many years ago. Jesus himself. Amen. Amen. Hey, why don't you stand up with us as we sing these final two songs together. And Merry Christmas.